So up next on the You Ain't or Nothing Yet podcast, we have a multi-talented individual. From acting to singing, he has done it all. Since uh, we've got a lockdown, this guy has been in high demand after some brilliant releases and songs like Proud and I Turn to You. Named as one to watch by Pride in Music. This is someone who appears to have just gone from strength to strength. And as such a busy man, he'll be doing another interview with My Pride Radio right after us. He's an RMA man, but we'll not hold that against him. Colin Lefkian, how the hell are you? I'm great, guys. It's so great to hear the accent. <laughs> I'm, surrounded, I'm surrounded by English accents over here and, um, you know, lots of European accents. But it's so great to hear the accent from back home. I find it so refreshing. Mm. I suppose <laughs> being away from home, does, does, does the English accent give you the ick? Does it give, just, just out of curiosity, <laughs> is it that sort of like, or have you got used well, to it? Well, you know, I've been here, I've been in London longer than I lived in Northern Ireland, believe it or not. So when I, I'll never forget when I came over people were asking me to slow down a lot. Yeah, because we talk oh, incredibly yeah. fast. I had to repeat myself quite a few times. So I think I've managed to hold on to my accent, but it's it's weird because if I'm speaking to someone from over here, I will slightly neutralize it just so, you know, I, I have to avoid the repeat. Can you repeat that question? Or what did you say? Or yeah. <laughs> but I, I definitely, my parents and my family seem to think the odd time I seem a bit... English in my accent, but I, mm. I don't think so. I'm convinced that it's still quite Northern Irish. Oh, no, I can still hear it. I can still hear it. Yeah, I can yeah. still hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, Sean, do you want to kick us off on some on some real serious, hard-hitting questions here? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll start with maybe <laughs> yeah. straightforward ones. Conleth Cain, tell the fine folks at home who you are and what do you do? You do a lot of things, but give us a quick fact. Well, I'm 38 years old. I'm a singer-songwriter. You're not 38 years old. It's not Thank fair. You. Like That is yeah. deeply unfair. Well, see, I'm wearing a hat now. I've actually got to like, take it off. And now I look 38, see? Uh, so, I, so I did not mean to cut across there, but I'm just like, <laughs> what fucking moisturizer are you using? Because um, my crow's feet here are, are you know. Uh, yeah, I do a lot of Bikram yoga and that's really good for the skin. Um, I'm vegan. Uh, that's, again, really good for your health and, you know, your physical like mm. appearance and stuff. So, yeah, I do, I do a lot of things to, you know, you know, keep me youthful, shall we say. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I look after myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm 38 years old from Lurgan and I moved to London when I was 18. And, you know, it's been a real journey from I came over. I initially came over to do musical theatre. I went to uh, theatre school in London mm-hmm. and then I got my agent when I graduated. And then I had a career in uh, on stage and bits and bobs of TV here and there. And it wasn't until about 20... 16 that I started writing songs and realized that actually this is my real passion mm-hmm. and I've always been obsessed with pop music and uh, musicals and classical music that inevitably I just feel like I've come full circle okay fair um you mentioned there to sort of track back to your inspirations you mentioned there that sort of theater was maybe that the first foray was that a big influence musically growing up or was it more pop music or was it a bit of everything and just music was do you know, I'll never forget, and that's a real standout memory from when I was a child. Uh, I I think society as a whole uh, puts a real pressure on kids doing really well at school in an academic level. Mm. And I was, I did, I performed really well at school. And, but my parents put me in for the 11 plus, And for the first time in my life, I felt extreme pressure. And my two best friends were very academic, whereas I was the more creative kid and I was the one, you know, uh, rushing off to rehearsals after school and do, and really exercising my creative side, which was great. 
But when it came to actually sitting down and having like an hour to, you know, do mathematical questions, so I failed miserably. And I remember getting the results. My two best friends got really great results and I didn't. And I felt so embarrassed. And I felt so much shame that I performed so badly. So my dad was like, let's go out, let's go shopping let's, um, and we'll treat you just what something. And I remember going up to a record shop in Lurgan and I lifted Angeloid Webber's greatest hits off the shelf. And I went home and it was like someone gave me a med- medicine and I was cured immediately. And I, I walked into my parents. I was like, this is what I want to do. I don't think I need the 11 plus for this. Yeah, that, that was just a real turning point. I just I found such. Uh, comfort and I couldn't believe that this man had written all of these songs and all of these different musicals I was transfixed by it all and then I developed a real obsession with getting into theatre school and back then remember we didn't have the internet so I had mm. no knowledge of how you did it I was from you know a working class family in Lurgan trying to get into a theatre school in London that you know you had to literally write to them and ask for a prospectus and yeah. all of that so it was a very different era back then um, but I managed to um, I made it happen and you know I went to Arts Ed which has a you know one of the best here in London has a fantastic alumni and I used to like I just had those pinch myself moments throughout the whole entire three years I never once took it for granted I felt very lucky to be there and I definitely feel that my musical theatre training and career has slipped over into my uh, songwriting and my and my performance I feel very comfortable on stage it doesn't faze me at all and i Feel that is a, a benefit of having a background in theatre. Mm. You, you know, you, you say about um, <clears throat> you know your early days of the eleven plus. I can recall back to the day that I got a big massive fat day, cried, and then had to go. I was like doing like a, a performance, a local community thing. Like it was like a sound of music, but with all with different musicals. And then having to go and face everybody else who'd done well. So I know where you're coming yeah. from in terms of yeah. feeling a real fucking shame and embarrassment. You know, um, but I I, I got to ask. How was school as a younger man for you? Um, because you've talked about being bullied before. Um, and I want to ask, has this had a long-term effect on you? But also, does it, does it influence your, your music? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Let, I think every child goes through some element of, you know, torment or mm. bullying in their school life. It's just, it's part of growing up. But I was growing up in a very small town in a time when, you know, it really wasn't okay to be gay. Mm. It really wasn't. And I, when I realized I was gay and when I heard other people around me talking about what they thought of gay people, mm. I, was, I, I literally wanted to escape my hometown from the age of 11. I just wanted to, I said, Where, how, how the hell can I get out of here? And I think that as well, that was that coupled with, my vision of getting into theatre school because I thought I have to get out of, I have to go I have to get somewhere I want to go to London where I'm accepted and you know I can walk down the street maybe one day and hold someone's hand and, and not get spat on you know something mm. like that yeah um but yeah school was school and listen school life for me was okay in parts um I was very sure of myself when I got into secondary school you know from first year I was like I'm going to theatre school like you know this is all this is all well and good but I will be going to London when I'm 16 so just so you all know <laughs> this uh, is happening but, yeah <laughs> this like, will I, be happening <laughs> I ended up going to a grammar school and you know so I was pressurized into I felt a little bit of pressure because eh, I got into a gra- grammar school in the end, but it was never the path I was going to go down. So if I got a C or a B minus, you know, I never let it phase me because I was like, well, well, it's, I'm not going to go to Queens to study 
nurse nursing or I'm not going to go to a, a teaching college that's that's not my route mm -hmm. so I I got a bit more independence on a mental point from from that point of view sorry um in terms of the bullying yeah I experienced a lot of physical and verbal and mental abuse at school um and I don't think the apparatus was in place back then to help a gay kid at school. Mm -hmm. I mean, Section 28 was in place. You weren't even allowed to speak about being gay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so teachers were, it was clear why I was being gay. I was camp. I loved Angela Lloyd Webber, you know, doing all of this. So I, I was crazy about the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> As I, uh, For your listeners, I'm wearing a Spice Girls top. Um, <laughs> well, and I was very open about this. You know, I didn't give a shit about wearing a Spice Girls t-shirt on non-uniform day in, a, in an all-boys school. Yeah. I was just, but, you know, I faced the consequences of that, you know, mm -hmm. that and consequences came with having that brash attitude. And, you know, I would be told at lunchtime, so-and-so is going to follow you home and and do whatever to say, like, bird, you are. Yeah. yeah, so I would like, okay, so then I need to fake a dentist note and get out early and, or I need to go a different route to their home. You know, I, I was always mm. on edge, or if I turned a corner and saw a certain person in my school who wasn't particularly nice you know I started to shake yeah uh, but you know that's that was my experience and I think that's why my song Proud has resonated with so many people younger people as well so many younger people love Proud and write to me about Proud and that's the most overwhelming and it'll always be one of my greatest life achievements is when I read messages from mm -hmm. people who love pride, especially teenagers or who are struggling or parents of teenagers who are struggling. That means more to me than a number one hit. Well, I say that I'd love the money it brings. <laughs> <from the floor. laughs> but it's really nice that, you know, yeah. people, people do reach out with such, you know, personal thoughts on the song and what it has done for them on a confidence level. And mm. that's great. And when I look out at my gigs, my people are singing it with me. That's mind blowing. Before I sort of ask you more about the song Proud, I want to ask just to just take you back very briefly to sort of times when you had done like TV stuff. Um, you done it in Ireland, you done it in the UK, and from reading around it, it do didn't always work out in you know the best light. Maybe I assume that it it helped you on a path. Did it boost your career? Did it just teach you really good life lessons? Did you feel that there was not, not a bias or anything like that there in, in any of them, but like a, you missed out for the wrong reasons or something? Do, do, you know, do you know what I'm trying to get at there? Are you, are you talking about the reality show? In yeah, the, like, the like you know, the, the show, you with RTE or the X Factor stuff or Britain's Got Talent. The X Factor stuff and Britain's Got Talent uh, footage never got aired. So I got a stand ovation from all four judges on both shows uh -huh. and a stand ovation from an audience both times. But my... Um, the X Factor I walked away from. I didn't want to be part of it anymore. I didn't like the direction they were going, so I walked. So they couldn't use my footage. Right. Um, so because I would have been this guy who had this big Susan Boyle-esque audition, but then there was no follow-up. So yeah. the, I had my footage had to go in the bin with yeah. the X Factor. Yeah, fair enough. I wasn't, I wasn't happy with the team or, you know, how they treated us. And mm. So, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to sell my soul to do the X Factor. I mean, they can't even look after their winners, never mind, you know, the, so it's, you know, I kind of saw through it now and I felt in my heart of hearts it wasn't the right thing to do. With Britain's Got Talent, again, it was it was great. Again, I ended up on the edit room floor. I just got a call one day after my audition because when, you, when you're in that environment, 
and you see the judges stand up and you're in Manchester Arena and the whole people stand up mm. in the room. You think, oh my God, I've just won Britain's Got Talent. Like, yeah, this, yeah. this is going to happen. Like, and then you get a call from a producer later saying, oh, thanks, but we're not going to have you in the show anymore. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, I, you don't know this happens. So mm. you, you forget that they audition in these theatres and arenas over two weeks. And then they whittle it down to like maybe four standing ovations in the whole in the whole series, whereas yeah. maybe they had 10 stand ovations per day. So there's a huge chunk of people that don't even get shown on TV despite having these major reactions. Yeah, really great, great, as you say, sort of performances. So, and-, and then, yeah, of course, then you think people are not believing you. You think that you're coming across as a liar because there have been many times that I've seen people's eyebrow raise when I'm speaking about my X Factor and Britain's Got Talent experience like oh really you know you had two stand ovations and yeah. we haven't seen you on TV I'm like yes I'm telling you yeah, <laughs> it actually happened oh, right. <laughs> the footage exists it's somewhere in ITV's drawer hmm. uh, with the RTE one I didn't particularly enjoy that experience mm-hmm. um, I also didn't have any real chance of winning because no one in the north really watches RTE uh, especially on a Sunday night you know so and especially a theatrical show. So we already had lost, you know, it's not a pop music show like yeah, X Factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a very niche audience. Mm-hmm. And for my family and my supporters who came down to the live shows at the Helix, mm. anytime they wanted to vote for me, it cost them like 10 euro. Yeah. <laughs> but, but everyone else had like, were like dialing away. So I just didn't have the same audience support that the rest of them had. And Fair enough. Apart, even though I got overwhelm, overwhelmingly amazing feedback from the judges. I mm-hmm. rarely received critique, but yet I was always in the bottom two. And it was just a mathematical disaster for me. It was never going to work out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. okay. Can I, I just want to touch on something you sort of mentioned there and has come through really in sort of everything you've said. The idea of sort of being like true to yourself and very genuine in yourself, obviously, and in your music seems like something very important to you. Was it like a, an intentional decision involving that to sort of move into the writing? Because you said at the start, that's relatively recent. You know, well, was it sort of an extension of the theatre work in that sense or something completely different? I did. I did enjoy. I, listen, when I started my theatre career, I had a really great start. But then the closer I got to my 30s, things started to dwindle and I got a, got a bit more quiet. And, you know, when you're a graduate from theatre school, you know, you're hot property. You know, you get all the auditions. You get, you know, there's a lot of work for you, basically. And then when you get to your 30s, you know, you look a little bit different. You're not old enough to play that role, but you're definitely too old now to play that role. So you fall into this kind of in-between category. And I definitely found that auditions dried up for me. I wasn't getting seen as much. And and then I stepped back from it and I started writing songs one day and I felt very cathartic. And I let some people hear it and they were like, this is great, this is fab. And when, when you write something for the first time, you're almost afraid to let people hear it in case they think it's awful. But I knew I had confidence in my writing and I'm a maestro with pop music. So I was like, no, this is good. These lyrics are good and I can definitely write a tune. So I was confident in revealing my work and then it just kind of spiraled from there. And uh, yeah, that's how I crossed over into songwriting. When you briefly uh, chat about your your track Proud, which featured on your EP Liberty. And it received such a great response. The Seven Heaven remix is also a great addition too. Is the song about saying you know, pretty much like, fuck everybody else. I'm happy with who I am. Because the whole sort of EP maybe seems that way. It's about home and it's about acceptance and sort of just like maybe like the struggles within oneself. Yeah, do you know something? What I love about 
that EP, Liberty, is, there's not one love song in it. It's, you know, so many writers just really very easily fall into the the breakup song. And then you've got eight, eight songs about how much they hate their ex on an album. <laughs> and for me, that I, you get bored after song two. So I really wanted, I wanted Liberty to be an EP of empowerment, mm. you know, of, of, you know, celebrating where you're from, celebrating who you are. Um, yeah, that's what I wanted to achieve from that record. It was a real shame when that record obviously it landed in the middle of the pandemic and I was due to go and support Brian Kennedy on tour around Ireland. Mm-hmm. And it got cancelled, obviously, because, you know, theatre and live music just got pushed aside for almost two years. Yeah. And major TV performances on, like, Stephen Nolan, like, like, literally were snatched out of my hands the day before because breaking COVID news was coming through. And, the, you yeah. know, the artist was the first thing to go that, especially if you're a new artist, you know, I doubt they would would have shelved Madonna, but they're definitely going to shelve me if, it was, if there's going to be new news on COVID, you know. Okay. And literally, literally that happened the night before. I thought, well, so okay, I've lost the tour with Brian, but I'm going to sing Proud tomorrow night on Stephen Nolan, which has an audience of like, you know, 170,000 people or whatever, mm. how many people tune in. But, you know, so I had, throughout that whole COVID scenario, and period, I I was having stuff literally swiped away from me with with days notice, and I, it, ultimately it was a bit of a disaster for the record success. There's only so much you can do from sitting at home in your bedroom. Fair enough, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But you know, you've recently released Just a Dream. It's sort of second collection uh, of a body of work that you have. The response has been immense. How have you felt about it? Oh, brilliant! It's going down so well. It's a very new direction for me, and I mm. think it's more of a permanent direction for me as well. Um, I wanted to really create a record that was uplifting and more like the sound that I would listen to. Mm-hmm. So Seventh Heaven have you know they've worked with major artists like they've worked with Melanie C herself. They've worked with Steps. They've worked with Jake Shears from uh, Scissor Sisters. Um, and then 360 mastered it, who did the entire Girls Allowed rec- record collection, um, Scissor Sisters again, Kylie Minogue. So that kind of, that group of artists as like, I wonder if I can make a record with those guys. Yeah. And they were happy too. They were very responsive and Seventh Heaven to work with as a producing team are so welcoming, so supportive, and they get exactly what I want as an artist. Not once that they sent me a track and I thought... It's not where I wanted to go with that, or okay. you know, that doesn't sound how I wanted it to sound. Doesn't represent my song in the best light. I've always been really chuffed with what they do. So, as a artistic and production collaboration, we are very much work together very well. Happy days. It's always good when, <clears throat> as you say, collaboration. You know, two people are co- or two groups or sets of people are all are running in parallel as opposed to you know going the other direction from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on Just a Dream, uh, you talked earlier about sort of the ethos behind uh, Liberty. What was sort of the ethos behind this one? Was it sort of that idea of like a, nearly a finally made it, it? It wasn't Just a Dream or is it something else? Well, Just a Dream is, is a lyric taken from Can I Go Back to Sleep, uh, the opening track, which actually seems to be, it's everyone's favourite, like across the board. And I it is a great pop tune, I have to say, but even the Spice fans who I thought would just go crazy for I Turned to You because it's a cover mm-hmm. song, Iconic. Even the Spice Girls fans are writing on the forums, when you're releasing Can I Go Back to Sleep? So they've just kind of bypassed I Turned to You and got gone straight from my original song, which is a good sign. Um, so yeah, Just a Dream, the title came from that particular song. It's a lyric in there. Fair play, fair play. But it does, it does kind of have, uh, 
it does run parallel with how I feel about it because it is just my dream to be doing what I'm doing right now. So it has a double, double meaning. Well, it's it's great to hear, and it's great to hear that you know that you are following what your dreams are, and it's worked. You know, it's working out. You know, um, mm-hmm. and that after <clears throat> repeatedly years and years of of busting your fucking balls to go, you know, to get where you want to be. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And you know what I mean? And it's work. You know. And it's, it's, it's beautiful and refreshing to see that. And, and like I said, best of luck with everything in the future. But what we do every day or every time that we interview somebody, we have um, what we would call the quick, the quick fire questions. Okay. You know? Oh, God. Um, go. Now, the first one, um, we asked this to everybody. And um, we asked people, if you were a drink, alcohol or otherwise, what would you be? And the reason why we asked this is, well, Sean, what, what, do you, what do you say to people? What do you say to people I am? So the idea is like your personality, you as a person, what would you be transformed by some magical spell into a drink? Jack Donnelly, for example, is a pint of Guinness is the go to example because he's an acquired taste and a lot of people pretend they like him, particularly American. (laughs) This is what we're going for. Okay. (laughs) Okay. What would I actually, I'm going to do a bit of a plug here. I would be um, proud beer who sponsored my album launch the other night. <laughs> Fantastic. There is, there is a um, an LGBTQ plus beer company here in London who sponsored my album launch. So yeah, and the the art the artwork on the on the bottle, everything's fantastic. So I just think I would be the proud bottle of beer if I was a drink. Well, we're gonna have to tag the fuck out of them when we post this, aren't we, Sean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. If they want to sponsor us, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, let's let, you know, let's, let's work. Uh, okay, Sean, you go with the next one. Yeah, and then the second one, if you could have any superpower, what would it be, and what would you do with it? You can make up your own superpower. For. Ooh. Do you know something? I always think, even from a kid, but it's so obvious when you just love to be able to fly. If I could fly. Yeah. I, I mean, like, come on. How cool would that be? Or be yeah. invisible. And then you'd like you'd find out what everyone really thinks of you. I was yeah. like, uh, uh, creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe that wouldn't be a good thing because you might hear some stuff you don't want to hear. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, no, definitely fly. I just think it would be so liberating just to fly. If something's annoying you in life, you just open a window and fly off. Like, I'm gone. Away you go. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> um, if you were a Chris Sandwich right now, uh, like, I don't know whether you eat Chris Sandwich, but I'm sure you do. I'm guessing you do. Um, what is the bread? Is there butter? Is there mayo? What's the flavor? What's the breed? Of, sorry, brand of crisp. Um, <laughs> what, what? Talk to me. Talk to us. Oh, oh, let me think. I was a crisp sandwich. Well, you want me to go through brands and stuff? Well, I mean, like if you, if you if you're saying, oh, I really fancy a crisp sandwich. What what, what type of Walkers, what type potato, of... brown bread, white bread, flora, yeah, no flora. Is this going to make me sound very non-Irish? I've never ever been into crisp sandwiches. So to, are, are you going to end this right here? I was just going to say, Sean, I mean, I wish let's you told just us this at the start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've spent the past 25 minutes here talking. <laughs> Chris Sandwich, I actually, you know, something that's going to sound so, so London, and I apologize. I love those vegetable crisps. You know, the way this actually slice the vegetables and oven cook them, and then they come out as crisps. Yeah, it's a great answer. It's a good answer. Yeah. So that, yeah, I'd, I, I'm a, a bit obsessed with them. I'm just like some hummus, love a bit of hummus, and I would like a bit of toasted sardo. Fair enough. Very bougie indeed. Yeah, but you know, I mean, if we if we ever uh, if we ever go to London, and go for lunch with you, at least we know. Yeah, we'll let let throw, a, throw a bit of rocket in there as well. Oh, really happy. <laughs> the penultimate uh, one in our quickfire session. If you could go on a date 
with anyone living or dead can be a dinner date can be a romantic date whatever way you want to work it who would it be and what would you do would you go for dinner would you take the bowling oh my god i would go for dinner with britney spears i would be like what the fuck happened <laughs> <Callous to> crack. <laughs> what happened what tell me about that conservatorship i need to know everything <laughs> and i'm ordering a seven course meal and we're going to be here all night <laughs> <laughs> keep the wine coming lads keep the wine coming <laughs> He has just signed a major book deal and I am waiting for that. I am like, every day, right, we're one day closer to Britney's book. So yeah, I would actually take her out for dinner and be like, just spill the beans. I want to know. Tell us all. So so if there's a delay in the next release, it's because Britney's book, around the time of Britney's book drop, we know why. (laughs) (laughs) For those listeners who don't understand that answer, Britney Spears was in a conservatorship for, what, 13 years and she basically, she couldn't pour herself a glass of milk if she wanted to she had yeah. to ask someone so yeah i mean if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about there in terms of britney spears have you been living under a rock yeah exactly <laughs> right been everywhere yeah. free britney hashtag free britney um okay and finally we have a magic ball the magic ball will let you play at um any any music venue um and you can play with somebody you can be supporting somebody you can be headlining on your own uh, uh it's up to yourself what 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 would you do where would you be Ah, do you know something? I do have oh, Royal Albert Hall. Mm. Brilliant. Royal Albert Hall, 100%. To sing proud in Royal Albert Hall would be like, Drink I, I think I could retire after that. <laughs> you know, I would have, yeah. I always think of that moment one day uh-huh. and that's something that I'm visualizing. I, I, I Hopefully one day I can make that happen. Uh-huh. That would be the, the absolute dream. Brilliant. That would be a pretty good retirement gig. Mm. well yeah <laughs> you say that then I'll just be like when's the next gig yeah, yeah. yeah. also w- that when that happens me and Sean want you to send us on tickets like just to care <laughs> just, yeah. just oh yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> actually do you know something I last year I went to a big festival here in London called Mighty Hoopla uh-huh. so it's a nostalgia festival so for example like they've got this year they've got like Steps Sugar Babes Anastasia uh, Natalie and Bruglia, like all these like big nostalgia acts. Yes. Uh, and I went last year. I've been going for a few years now, actually. Mm. And last year I said, I would love nothing more than to f- perform at Mighty Hoopla. And I got booked on performing this Saturday. Oh, dude. Congratulations. Class. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm performing Pride with the London Gay Men's Chorus, all like 200 of them on stage. Oh, my God. Still. Holy fuck, right? Right. Um, well, speaking he needs of Royal Albert Hall, yeah, he needs Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a fucking course back in me. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so right now you just said about your 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 gigs and stuff. There, give us all the plugs. Tell us where people can find you. Where else you're going to be playing, and then we will let you go because I know your press for time. Brilliant. Uh, so it's Conleth Kane and the majority of my socials, Twitter. I'm going to spell my name as well because lots of people can't spell it. At yes. C-O-N-L-E-T-H-K-A-N-E. That's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not on Snapchat. Not, I'm just like, I keep it very simple. And yeah, all my music is available on all major online platforms. Uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, Deezer, Tidal, and YouTube as well. So please check me out. Give me a follow and let me know what you think. And any gigs running coming up? Uh, yes, June is packed out. Um, yeah, I'm. It's Pride Month. I feel like a bit. I feel a bit like Mariah Carey at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So, um, with a song like Pride, people just, you know, Flock. Want, to, want to book you for Pride, <laughs> which is great, great. So, it's not the people so will have I'm, to find gonna... you. They'll struggle to avoid you for the next month. <laughs> 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 Take a look. And that means after July. Yeah. Deadly stuff, deadly stuff. Thanks, look, Conleth, thank you very, very much for chatting to us and uh, best luck with it. Cheers. Lovely to meet you. And thank you for having me on. Thanks for your time. Bye bye.